Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role that joy plays in our own journey. Welcome to episode 86. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This is the third week of May's Finding What Fits theme, and I am so thrilled to have Sarah Von Bargen joining me today. You may know Sarah from her inspiring Yes and Yes blog, and what you may not know is that she's recently launched a More Money, More Happy program where she shares how to create a relationship with money that leads to more money and more happiness. The theme for this month, Finding What Fits, is all about looking at connecting the dots in your life and finding the what behind what brings you joy. I love that we'll be talking about life and careers and money, and the money topic is one that has never been discussed on Jumpstart Your Joy before, and I'm so thrilled that we'll be tackling that topic with Sarah today. Before we get to that, I am so glad that you are here. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in this week. I publish show notes for each episode that include links to the guest's website, additional references, and some of my thoughts about the topics we discuss. You can find them for this episode at jumpstartyourjoy.com episode 86. If you have been thinking about starting a podcast to bring more happiness to your life as it has to mine, I have compiled many of the answers to the basic questions I've gotten over the years about how to start a podcast in my Podcasting Fundamentals course. And it includes a great cheat sheet that shares my suggestions for microphones, the editing software I use, where to find intro music, and so much more. You can get this by visiting my website and clicking on the Start a Podcast button on the right-hand side of the page below my photo. And of course, that is at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Plus, now is the time to sign up for the free course because by enrolling, you'll get a $50 off code for my fun boot camp that starts in June. It's an eight-week class that takes you from the idea of your show to launching your own podcast. And if you can believe it, 83% of people who enrolled last year have launched their show. And you know what? You can totally do it too. And that is just all over at jumpstartyourjoy.com. In this interview, Sarah shares all about how her blog, Yes and Yes, became popular and how she found her way into what fits as far as her career in blogging. Initially, she created her blog to fill a gap in what she saw was missing in the blogosphere, something with a bit of everything and a site that was smart and funny. Some of what she shared on her blog is about travel and about her life, which she has done on a modest income. To some outsiders, it seemed that she must have had a trust fund or other stream of income, but Sarah was covering her expenses based on her understanding of saving and making intentional choices with her money. She realized that her philosophy on finances was different than that of many people and recently began sharing about this on her blog. What I love about this interview with Sarah, we all think that what we do is normal and we don't think that it's interesting or special or noteworthy. She also talks about how it's so important to keep things simple. The truth of the matter is that oftentimes the things that we think are easy for us are actually the same things that are not easy for everyone else. In simple terms, we are born with what fits for us. 
The hard part is often uncovering it. For Sarah, that thing that fits is money and blogging and writing. And for you, it may be something very different. For me, it's podcasting and coaching and being a project manager. These things are easy for me and they fit. Figuring that out and then making my livelihood around them is a way of honoring what fits for me. And so now on to the interview with Sarah Von Bargen. Welcome to the show. Today we have Sarah Von Bargen of Yes and Yes. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, Paula. I'm so excited you are here. Oh, yay. (laughs) Would you like to tell us a little bit about what were your early sparks of joy? What did you love to do as a kid? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. I would say that honestly, the same things that brought me joy as a child still bring me joy as an adult. I loved singing and dancing and writing and drawing. I loved exploring new places. I loved bossing people around. (laughs) I loved (laughs) cooking and I loved being outside. I love that. (laughs) I love bossing people around. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Bless my younger sister's heart and all my neighbors. Oh, my gosh. They were so patient with me. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm also an older sister, so I kind of get that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of a firstborn trait. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And would you tell people what is your current role and what do you do now? Sure. Well, I give my job description as a writer, teacher, and blogger. And when people are like, what now? I basically explain that I write things just like any other writer, but I primarily publish them on the internet. And I have e-courses that I teach through the internet. That's my like extremely basic description of, that's my like barbecue dinner party description of what I do. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. We all need those like kind of soundbite things so that it's Mm -hmm. easier for other people to understand what it is if they don't know of us. I love that. Yep. Yep. But your blog is Mm -hmm. Yes and Yes, which is Mm -hmm. so awesome. I mean, I feel like I've been aware of it since at least 2010. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of came up at that point. And I was like, ooh, who is this person? So it's such a treat to get to speak to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've been doing it forever. It's always both. It's really sweet and humbling and also sort of crazy when people are like, I've been reading you since high school. And now I'm married and a mom. And I'm like, holy cow. (laughs) Oh my God, what? But I mean, that makes sense. Like if you started reading when you're 18 and now you're like 27, like that's a whole life phase. That's college, post-college, marriage, kids, which is crazy. But I'm always very flattered when people say like, I've been reading you for years. I remember when you were a teacher. I remember when you, you know, took that 10 month trip and they can like quote back to me the things that I've done. It's so sweet. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And it is funny how kind of the internet and following people lends itself to that familiarity and that, what, kind of the longevity of knowing you Mm -hmm. over a period of time. How did your blog get its start? Would you like to tell us a little bit about what kicked it off and where you were when you started out? Yeah. Well, I had been reading blogs for quite a while, and there was a really specific type of blog that I wanted to read that I couldn't find. I wanted to read something that covered lots of different topics. And in 2008, when I started blogging, There were only like fashion blogs, travel blogs, food blogs, and to a certain extent, that's still how it is. But I wanted one blog that covered all of that stuff. And I wanted something that was both like smart and also funny that really mixed up content where they would write about like 
self-development and career and money and advice. And also like, here are funny pictures of like animals and buckets. And I <laughs> couldn't find anything like that. And because I've been getting paid for it since I was 20 and I also have a background in marketing. So I sort of thought like, I know how to do this. Like I know how to write things. I understand mm-hmm. how to make things appealing to a wide audience. I'm just going to try this. And I guess I sort of lucked into a hole in the market because my blog became popular. And I, I guess that on some level, people maybe were looking for the same thing, but didn't know it. And um, yeah, I found a really devoted audience. I love that. I mean, the description of that you lucked into a hole in the market. Yeah, it's one of those, what, I think it's like Louis Pasteur says, luck or chance favors the prepared mind. Like, it's kind Mm -hmm. of that walking the space of luck, but also you have the background and chance. Yeah, yeah. And I always try to be really honest about that with people. Because I came to this industry with the cards stacked very much in my favor. Like, mm-hmm. if you, you know, had been a competitive tennis player in college, and we played tennis together, and you didn't tell me that, it'd be very easy for me to feel bad about myself. So I always think it's important to, you know, be honest about like the skills that you had coming into it. Or like, you know, if your husband was a website developer, and he made you a really beautiful site, or your best friend worked in marketing, and she gave you tons of advice. I think it's just really important to be honest about that. So nobody feels bad about themselves that their <laughs> success hasn't you know, been as quick as yours. Yeah. It's so great that you're pointing that out. Cause I think a lot of even like this podcast journey, I mean, people might look at it and be like, Oh, wow, look, she just, you know, came out of nowhere or whatever. And the truth of it is like, Oh no, I, you know, led retreats for 11 years. I had mm-hmm. a blog before there was jumpstart your joy. And, mm-hmm. and I did improv comedy. Like there's all these like, you know, yes, whatever. You have like, a skill set that lends itself to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also marketing too. Yeah. That's a yeah. thing that we both have background because it does help to have that mindset. There's something mm-hmm. about it to know how the big guys do it. So what has changed? I mean, I love your site and love reading, but how would you describe what's changed over the last nine years? Well, I would say, honestly, what's changed is I have become much, much, much more strategic in what I publish. And I mean, part of that is just sort of the changing landscape of the industry. Like in 2008, it was totally normal to like find some cute photo on the internet, put it on your site. You don't credit the photographer. Who knows where you found it? And then you use like song titles as a blog post title. And then that's enough, which is obviously 100% does not fly today. And I've gotten much more strategic about like, okay, if these are the things that I sell, I need to write blog posts that relate to those things. And I need to make for sure that things are optimized for SEO. I need to make for sure that the things that I'm writing are useful and helpful and relatively evergreen. Like it's much, much, much more strategic than it used to be. And I would say it has also, I mean, you know, I'm 37 now and I was 28 when I started. So, you know, my life has changed as well. And I am probably, I mean, I'm a lot more adult now, (laughs) if that's a thing. (laughs) And also, I think when I started out, I shared a lot more about my personal life and my private life than I do now, partially just because now I'm married and I have stepkids and I want to be mindful of their privacy. What the fine line might be somewhere around, is it of service? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's for me where I've at least leaned to when I'm writing something or sharing something as is this a service or am I just doing a dear diary type entry or yes. podcast or whatever? Yes. I don't know if that's a, where you find the line too. Well, I sort of, my policy is if I would not say this 
out loud to my mother face to face. I am not going to put it on the internet because love it. You know, yeah. that's I'm Midwestern. My mom is Midwestern. We are, you know, a relatively private group of people. I definitely change names or I'll take like three situations that happened to me with three different people and turn it into a story as though it were one person and sort of like change name to, to protect the not innocent. <laughs> or what I do to make things seem more personal is I will start, I start a lot of my blog posts with an anecdote or a personal story. And it's just like a paragraph. And it's usually very innocuous. Like, you know, I've been trying to set up dinner with my friend for like three months and we've been calling back and forth and it's just, it, you know, it took us 90 days to get together and I want to meet her baby and now he has hair and he's about to go into daycare. And that's not really like such an incredibly personal story, but it's relatable and it makes people feel like they know me, but I'm not going to like get in trouble. And my friend who I'm trying to set up dinner with is not going to be like, I can't believe you told people that. Yeah, I think that's such great advice kind of as a lens as well as like both the can you mix up some stories? I feel like Anne Lamott in Bird by Bird talks about some of this, like where she mm-hmm. talks about like, you know, her take being people should have behaved better if they didn't want to <laughs> yes. be included in her story. Yes, yes I love that. I've seen that quote. Yeah. Yeah. But I like mixing it up and like maybe changing names. I love that one of the things about Yes and Yes is that you've got this very lovely balance of lots of different kinds of things that you even talked about that that was kind of one of the things you set out to do. Did it evolve over time or did you kind of know from the beginning that you wanted it to be those specific things? You knew we wanted to be a mix, but how did you find what fit best for you? Well, at the beginning, it was just literally whatever I wanted to write about. And then as I became more strategic, I looked at what content was successful, what content got the most comments, and what content got the most traffic. Because there were things that I loved doing, but they were incredibly time-consuming to put together. They didn't bring in any money, and nobody was like pinning them or commenting on them. And so I had to make peace with the fact that I love that series. It doesn't seem like anybody else cares. So (laughs) I'm going to stop doing it. Like I had um, a really great series that I loved where we would make recipes from our favorite books. And that's so cute. And that's so great. And nobody cared. (laughs) Like It didn't get pinned. It didn't get commented on. I had another one called Mornings In where I would interview women from all over the world about what their like beauty routines were in the morning and what they ate for breakfast. And it was a great series and I absolutely loved it. And I thought it was a really great window into the way people live all around the world. But finding people who, and I tried, I mean, I didn't want to like do like Canada, Australia, England, like how different is that stuff? So finding people whose English was good enough to like have those conversations with me and then like putting together the blog post And making it look the way I wanted to was probably usually a two to three hour time commitment. And people would tell me, oh, I love that series. And I'd be like, cool, why don't you comment on it or pin it? (laughs) Like, you know, it just didn't get really any traction. And I would put some affiliate links in there. I would make, you know, like 20 bucks, but 20 bucks is not worth three hours of my time. Yeah, it's a great point. I have looked back at some of my stats and it's almost hilarious to me, like what some of the favorites are. Oh (laughs) my gosh. Yes. Yes. I know. (laughs) Like, yeah. How to make a homemade ugly Christmas sweater is one of my items. (laughs) I know. I know. I think it's in my top 10. So I have these true story interviews and a lot of those are some of my top posts because the titles are very SEO friendly because the titles Mm -hmm. are things that people would literally type into Google. And one of my top 
blog post and it has been forever is true story. I have herpes. And I mean, I personally do not have herpes, but I interviewed a woman who does. And I'm sure, you know, like, and even if you go into Google right now and typed in the words, I have herpes, that interview is on the first page of Google. And like, I don't have any products related to that. I don't have any way to like, I don't think anyone who comes to my site to read that interview is going to like sign up for my newsletter, but you know, it's bringing in traffic. So I'm going to leave it up. Yes. Yeah. And I'm kind of doing that. Like I'm kind of giggling to myself because I love that you just just pointed out like these things. I mean, yeah, I never monetized how to make a homemade ugly Christmas sweater, but like that's clearly what someone typed into Google and they found me. And I was like the number two rank for a long time on that, which what? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Is there, I mean, I guess you'd really have to want to monetize either of those things to make it anything other than like really making sure that you have a sign up for your newsletter on the page. I mean, is there a way to leverage some of those oddball stories that seem to be really popular, but you're not, that's really not where your, what your content base or your product base is going to go. Well, all of my blog posts, every single blog post has a newsletter sign up at the bottom and I have a pop-up on my site. And what I've started doing is, but not for this particular interview, but now I ask people like, are there any blogs or books or resources that have helped you with this thing? And then if they say like, oh, this book was really helpful, I'll put an affiliate link there. And usually at the bottom of the blog post, I will do a PS and link to other blog posts that are sort of related to it. So I can mm-hmm. you know, keep them on my site longer. So like increase the possibility of them signing up for something. And I do have a few, I have like one Amazon ad on my site in this sidebar that I get paid like based on traffic, but it's not much. I mean, I think I make like $300 a month off of it. So theoretically, if a bunch of people come and read a popular blog post and they don't buy anything or click on anything, I'm still getting like a few cents from them visiting. But yeah, I think that if you have a really popular post that doesn't relate to anything, you know, you can try and be creative and think about what you can do to monetize it. But sometimes it's just, you just have to be like, well, I guess everybody likes my weird posts and that's all I can do about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I've approached the strange Christmas sweater post. And, you know, I put in some links around here. You can buy some if you don't want to make your own. Like I tried to extend the time that people are around and try to do a follow up on other funny pictures. But it was really that's never going to be something other than it's kind of joyful and hilarious to me. Like that's yeah. not going to be something that is a true, you know, <laughs> yeah. Pin yeah. for the no. brand. <laughs> no, super no. So funny. <laughs> I love that we just dove into that one. That's great. <laughs> Along those lines, I mean, is there like any other magical pieces around finding what fits is if someone's kind of midstream on their journey and they're like, yeah, I've got pretty good momentum. I don't know. How do I really dive into what's fitting for me? Even if like, let's say maybe some of their top content is, are these kind of one-off things, but, and they're not really clear on what the next steps would be. That's a good question. Well, I mean, for what it's worth and I don't know if this is advice that I might be the only person to ever give this business advice, (laughs) but I think that it's really important to create content that you like, and that's important to you. Like my true story interview series, again, there's not really a way for me to monetize that. And I don't like teach any courses that relate to it, but that content is so important to me and it brings in so much traffic and it does so much for the people who read it. 
So I would say that if you have an idea that feels really, really important to you, and it's at least like marginally attached to your brand, like it doesn't seem completely weird, I would encourage people to like try it out because I don't think that your entire online space needs to be optimized within an inch of its life. Sometimes you can just write something because it's important to you. Sometimes, you know, you can write about something or talk about something just because you want to. I mean, I think it definitely needs to be mixed in with strategic stuff, but you know, not everything has to be 1500 words long with a content upgrade that, you know, feeds people into a funnel that, you know, points them towards your e-course. Like if you have an idea that feels really good and really important to you, I would encourage you to follow it. You don't need to follow it forever. You don't need to like spend $4,000 on it, but don't turn something down or walk away from an idea just because it doesn't directly relate to a product that you don't have a product for it. Yes. I think especially when you feel that kind of call towards a topic or a post or whatever it is, there's usually something kind of juicy and delicious in there that's going to lead you into something else too. Yeah. And pull in maybe other readers because they're resonating with whatever it is you're putting out there. And then they're like, hey, I like this person. What else have they got? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yes. (laughs) I like that. The curiosity (laughs) piece is always Mm -hmm. so awesome. Around yes and yes as a name, I'm guessing that some of that is that you like to say yes and bring in new things into your life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What have you learned by saying yes to things? Oh, that's a great question. Well, so one of the things that I do every year is I make a list of 25 new things that I'm going to try, and then I try them, and then I write about them. And like I highly, I cannot recommend doing that enough to everybody. It's wonderful. It's a fantastic practice to have. And I have learned so much about myself. I've strengthened my friendships. I've like challenged stories that I was telling myself. Like I was a dancer in high school, but I didn't play team sports. And I've always thought of myself as somebody who's not particularly athletic. That is complete like foolishness. Like I trained for one of those obstacle 5Ks and I like Mm -hmm. won my heat. Like I have And this was one of the new things that I tried. Like I have tried a bunch of new physical things and I was almost always like pretty good at them. So it really forced me to reassess these ideas that I had about myself and whether I was good at physical activity. There were lots of things that I tried. I put on my new things list and I thought like, I'm just trying this because it's like hilarious. Everybody knows that XYZ is totally dumb and boring. And then I would do it and be like, this is actually pretty fun. I totally understand why people do this, which has mm-hmm. been a really good reality check to like, don't judge people's hobbies because they're probably doing it because it's fun. And right. <laughs> That's <awesome. yeah. laughs> yes. And I've also found that having this list, the list is in my sidebar of my blog and I put it there because I need to be held accountable. And what's so interesting is that most of my friends are aware of this new things list. And like, if I am visiting a friend in a different city, they'll say, Oh, you know, I noticed on your new things list, you said you wanted to X, Y, or Z. Like there's a place that does that in my city. Do you want to go do it? People are really excited to help you do it. Mm -hmm. And it's a really good, like sort of framework. Like if there's somebody and you want to like deepen your friendship with them, it might you know, like, it's hard to like deepen friendships over coffee. But if you say like, hey, I know this is sort of weird, but I like every year I try these new things and I'm going bird watching on Monday morning. Do you want to come with me? 
for some reason, if you say like, I have a list and I'm checking this thing off, it makes you mm-hmm. braver to ask. And it, for whatever reason, it makes most people want to be part of that. And I've had so many really fun, very bonding experiences with friends because we've done all these weird things together. Like a last month, like how many seven girlfriends we took a curling class you know that like ice polishing sport <laughs> yeah we took yeah. a curling class we had brunch beforehand and then we took this like two-hour curling class and it was super fun I took a ballet class with another friend I took a pottery class with three friends and we like made bowls and then when we got them back when they were fired up and we got them back I like had them over for dinner tons of fun weird stuff like that and it's really strengthened my friendships and mm-hmm helps me, you know, learn new things and try new things. Right. Cause it's so easy to get stuck in the, the lull or really it's kind of the illusion that like nothing ever changes. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. that you're actively going out and looking for those places. And then of course, when you invite people in, there's a gorgeous invitation for community and friendship and, yeah. and expansion there. Like, that's, yeah. yay. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> so fun. I so highly recommend it to like everyone. And what I think is really interesting, and maybe you've seen these studies too, but the way we process time passing, when things are regular and routine, time appears to pass faster. But when we're experiencing novelty, time feels like it's going slower. Like I'm sure everyone has had this experience when you're on vacation and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I was only gone a week because it feels like it was three weeks. When you're trying these new things and putting this novelty into your life, time feels like it goes slower. Like I use this app on my phone called uh, One Second Every Day and I'll take a a one second video of something that I'm doing every day. Mm -hmm. And because I'm doing these new things, I look back at just the three months of 2017 and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have done so much stuff because I'm (laughs) forcing myself to try these new things. Yeah, and we missed out on like kind of the coolness and also what, something about, we miss out on that sense of how much we've accomplished or how much yes. we've done or yes. how much there is to celebrate if we don't kind of take that moment to check in and say, what did I do today? Or yeah, like, yeah there's something really fascinating about that because I think it's easy for us to fall into that pit of feeling like, oh, I didn't do anything and everything's the same. Like, Oh, gosh, <laughs> which yes. Isn't true. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a very joyful recommendation, both the 25 things and the one second app. I'm going to have to... Most recently, I love that you have transitioned into focusing around happiness and money, especially because it's so funny that that has not like financials and money and that side of the world hasn't come in to the show yet. So I would love to take a little time and talk about the relationship between joy and money or happiness Mm -hmm. and money for you. Mm -hmm. Where did it really start that you started looking at that relationship of money and your life? Well, what is so funny is looking back, I now realize that that is how I always thought about money and used money and spent money. But just like everything, we all think that what we do is normal and we don't think it's like special or interesting or noteworthy. When I uh, graduated from, when I got my master's and I moved back to America, I had $50,000 worth of school debt and I was working as an ESL teacher at a nonprofit making $16 an hour. Obviously, that's not like the world's best financial situation. And even though that was my financial situation, because I managed money in this specific way, I was able to live in a really cute apartment in a nice neighborhood. I owned my car outright. I wasn't paying anything down. And I saved up enough money to take a 10-month international trip. 
And that was all like, I didn't split expenses with a partner. I didn't get any help from my parents. I didn't have credit card debt. And like, and I wasn't talking to anybody about what I was doing. I wasn't, I didn't think that anything I was doing was unusual or noteworthy. I was just managing my money the same way I always had. And sort of the turning point for when I realized that what I was doing was unusual was I had been dating my now husband for a few months and he was at work and like looking at my blog and somebody saw over his shoulder was like, oh, I read that blog. and. Kenny said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm dating Sarah. And this coworker of his said, I follow her on social media. Does she have a trust fund? This person could not believe that I had the life that I had knowing that I worked at a nonprofit. This person thought that I had a trust fund. And so this was sort of like an epiphany to me that clearly I am doing something different than other people. If a stranger thinks that I have a <laughs> trust fund. So then I sort of had to do that thing where like the thing that is innate to you, you have to sort of like step back and say like, okay, well, what is my actual thought process around this? Like, how can I talk about this? How can I verbalize and articulate these thoughts that come naturally to me so I can, you know, show other people how to do this same thing that comes naturally to me. And what I basically realized was that the vast majority of us haven't really taken much time to think about what makes us happy. And the vast majority of us, myself, somewhat included, we have subconsciously absorbed society's ideas about what we should do, what should make us happy and how we should spend our money. And like the vast majority of us believe we will be happier if we're thinner, if we make more money, if we have, you know, a certain type of job, if we live in a certain zip code, if we're in a committed relationship. And some of those things are true for some of us, but it's very unlikely that every single person in the entire world will be made the same amount of happy by those decisions. But that does not stop us. Most of us spend years of our life and tens of thousands of dollars pursuing those things. Mm-hmm. And I realized that somehow I maybe hadn't necessarily bought into that. I'd really thought carefully about what makes me happy. And I looked at where my money was going and I stopped spending money on things that weren't making me happy. And because I did that, I had a lot more money to spend on the things that I had consciously understood made me happy. And it sounds like a lot of things, it's simple, but not easy. Do you know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yes, I do know what you mean. Oh, because unpacking, like figuring out what it, what actually makes you happy when you've spent your whole life being told that X, Y, or Z should make you happy, when you are surrounded by billboards and TV shows and magazines that are, you know, telling you what makes you happy, even just figuring out what makes you happy is no small feat. And then looking at having the gumption to look at where your money is going and then figuring out which expenses are not making you happy and then figuring out, okay, so why do I keep buying $17 sundresses from target? Like Mm -hmm. all of that, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. But once you, once you do it, my students, it sounds crazy, but I very regularly get emails using the words, this changed my life. It's crazy, but I mean, I think it's true. And it's sort of like affects not just your finances, but when you understand what makes you happy, like you can say to people like, You can say no to invitations that aren't right for you. You end relationships that aren't right for you. You quit jobs that aren't right for you. You pursue the things that are right for you. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it all really ties back to that. It sounds like that idea of what really makes you happy and what do you want to have in your life instead of it being what we're taught is maybe around like first is the 
money piece. Like you need money, but that's not really yes. what the lead is. Maybe. I don't know if that makes oh, sense. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. Like yeah. I feel like the vast majority of stuff that's out there about money, we've been led to believe that like budgeting software is step one. But if you don't understand mm. why you're spending money regretfully, a budget is just moving numbers around on a page. Yeah. You know, it doesn't like, it's sort of like saying to somebody with an eating disorder, like, okay, here's a really good glute exercise. Like it doesn't, it's not getting to the problem. Like if you don't understand that you're shopping instead of feeling your feelings, if you don't understand that you're buying things for the person that you wish you were, if you don't understand that you are, you know, buying that thing to like keep up with your friends, it doesn't matter if you're using, you know, mint.com or you need a budget or different spreadsheets from your bank. Like none of that matters if you don't understand why you're spending money the way you are. Yes. And while it's helpful to know where all of your money is going, yeah, I don't think you could truly align, or at least what I've found is I can't truly align what I'm purchasing with what I want until I really know what I want. (laughs) Yes, totally. totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting because one of the things that I know I came up against in the last probably year or so is more around that. Like, I just, what would make me happy is spending more time with my six-year-old son. Like, Mm -hmm. I would like that. And that, yes. And that just doesn't have anything to do with, like, how much I make it work. I mean, I need to be able to support a family, but Mm -hmm. there's something interesting there that then when I can shift what I know I want, then like you're saying, everything else kind of falls in line because then, oh, well, maybe a a part-time job or like a, a flex hour job makes more, that seems obvious, but like I can change my priorities based on what I know I want. Yeah. Helpful. Yeah. And I have also what I think is really interesting and what I always sort of tell my students as well is that like it takes a lot of bravery and gumption to make the choices that are right for you. Like there's some I think it's an E.E. Cummings quote that says it takes courage to grow up and be who you are. Um, (laughs) Because like I I have a friend who um, is from a very like uh, high income, high like sort of prestige background. and what looks like happiness to her, like when she's really honest with herself, what looks like happiness to her would basically look like failure to everyone, like her parents, her parents' friends, everyone she grew up with, everyone in the neighborhood she grew up with. And it is incredibly scary to think about doing that. Like if she sells her Audi and like gets like a used Toyota and then she goes home for Thanksgiving, everyone she knows is going to judge her And I mean, Mm -hmm. I think and I hope that she will eventually get to a place where she can be okay with that, because, you know, the more we like our decisions, the less it matters if anybody else does. But it's really hard. Like, even like I invented these processes, I use them, I teach them. But if somebody said to me, like, are you ready to make a decision that's going to make everybody judge you? Like, it's hard. So I tell all of my students, like, be patient with yourself. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. What you're doing is really brave and really hard. And not a lot of people have the guts to do it. So it's okay if it takes you like a year or two to work up the courage to tell your parents that you're not going to get an MBA, you know? And also, like, it's okay if your parents are hippies and you know that a BMW would totally make you happy and you know they're going to say snarky stuff about it. Like, I understand that, like, it takes bravery to be who you are. So be gentle with yourself because mm. it might take a while. Wow. And that really is a hard space to be. I love that you just you, you rattled off that it's the more that we like our decisions, the less we care what everyone else thinks. Like, 
wow. Isn't that <laughs> like a, that was totally a, there was a reader who said that. I think she was like a, a like a school guidance counselor, and she like left that in an Instagram comment, and I was like, that's amazing. I need like a plaque that says that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and that is. I love that you're honoring that the path for each person is going to be so different and things that seem like hard for one person could be totally simple for somebody else. But also that idea, because money gets in there, it's really tricky about like, you know, I, I realize there's some material things I want, but then some of my training in my past would say, well, that's snobby, or there's some sort of judgment that I put on wanting those things, oh, yeah. but they really would make me happy. So yes, I love that yeah. you're that you're giving voice to that space of the decision you make might not feel very uncomfortable and unusual, even though other people would, they'd be like, well, just go get a mini Cooper then. What do you, why yeah. are you waiting? <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I sort of have to remind my students, like I am not here to make you cut the cable. If you love cable, I'm not here to make you feel bad about buying name brand purses. If those bring you joy, I get regular pedicures. I have an extremely expensive vacuum cleaner you know, like I, I spend tens of thousands of dollars every year on travel. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that there are plenty of people who would look at my budget and say, like, these are the places you could cut and I'm not interested in it. So it's really mm-hmm. honestly about finding what's right for you. And sometimes that's going to be, you know, $70 skin cream. And sometimes it's going to be like a walk outside. And both of those are completely legitimate. It's just about really figuring out what makes you happy, not what you've been told should make you happy. Right. And not putting the value on it mm-hmm. based on what other people would value it as. And I love that you just mentioned the Roomba. I'm assuming. Oh it's my God. Roomba. I'm ob- yes. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> like if, if somebody has a pet and they don't have a Roomba, I'm like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> or small children. Like yes. I, my son would kind of like, he was scared, but fascinated by it when he was tiny. And now yeah, I mean, it has a name. Its name is the Boobot because that's what he called robots when yes. he was a baby. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. my gosh. They are life-changing. Like, it's truly they an are. investment in my marriage and the quality of my day-to-day life. Yeah, because it means I can do something else while someone, yes. the Roomba, is, is yes. vacuuming. It's awesome. Absolutely. Yes. And this wasn't even an ad, but I just saw no, it. Not, and I'm like, oh, yes, me too. Yes. Everybody was listening. Go get one. Like, mine, okay. I got on Black Friday like for, I think like $375, which is like not nothing, but I like, if mine broke and it was irreparable, I would just go on Amazon and buy another one. Like that's how, that's how much, that's how I feel about it. Okay. So if someone listening is like, oh my gosh, yes, obviously this is resonating and I really want to make that shift. Like, is there an easy way that you could recommend you know, like even right now for them to start getting into that mindset of like more happiness around how they're spending or how they see their relationship with money. Yes. Well, so the first thing I would suggest is I have a free uh, five-day happiness money bootcamp. And if you go to yesandyes.org slash bootcamp, you can sign up. It is five days of emails and videos and you get a workbook. Like it's, it's free. It's five days. Like What's stopping you? (laughs) But if for some reason you don't want like that structure, I would say the two easiest things you can do is in your phone, like first just start noticing when you experience happiness. And I have an ongoing document in my notes in my phone. When I am doing something, I'm like, ooh, this makes me really happy. I just put it in my phone and try to be as specific as possible. So don't say like travel. Because, you know, going to an all-inclusive in Cancun with your family is not the same as backpacking around Vietnam. 
And mm-hmm. if you don't understand what makes you happy, it's very easy to spend um, a lot of money and time chasing the wrong thing. Um, so try and be as specific as you can. Just keep notes in your phone. Try and notice when you feel happy. And the other thing that I always tell my students to do is once a month, usually at the end of the month, print out your bank statement and your credit card statement and get three highlighters, a pink one, a green one, a yellow one, and go through every single transaction. And if it was a purchase that brought you joy, it should be green. If it's a purchase that's unavoidable, like you know, rent or insurance, it's yellow. And if it's a regrettable purchase, make it a pink. And then you add up each of those sections, and then you'll have a hard number for how much money you spent on things that made you happy and how much you regret spending. And as a side note, this exercise is frequently uh, pretty emotional for people. Mm. I've had students, you know, discover that they were spending $2,000 a month that they didn't need to be spending. I've had students say like, I'm on such a tight budget. There's no way I could cut anything else. And then they figured out they were spending like $150, $200. And these are people on very, very tight budgets. And then Mm -hmm. they realized they were spending like 150 or 250 more than they should. I've had life coaches who would describe themselves as being like very self-aware with a really good like self-care practice, realize that they were spending $27 a month on their happiness. So Mm -hmm. if you do this, if you do this exercise and it's sort of triggering for you, it's totally okay. You are not alone. You are not the first person to have like a pretty significant reaction to this discovery. Mm -hmm. So I'd say those are the first two basic things you can do. Be Get really specific about what makes you happy and track it using just a notes app in your phone and then go through your expenses and see where they're going because it's usually extremely, extremely surprising. Yeah. Oh, wow. And (laughs) I'm like cheering on the sidelines. I'm like, yes, joy and money right there. Like the trans, whatever, like the crossroads of these two things that is so Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Because I think that is so important. I mean... Obviously, I have a lot of friends that are life coaches, and I'm I'm trained as one. And I think it's really hard because, I mean, maybe it's also across the board, people are very reluctant to spend the time and money on themselves um, mm-hmm. and make an investment in themselves in any way because it feels like too lavish or there's a lot of yeah. shifts that come up. So yeah. I love that you, there's that encouragement. And also, you can see how much, like even in a money world, how much are you spending on yourself in ways yeah. that make you happy. Mm. Yeah, yes, yeah. Fair. And it's it's really interesting. Like I had a student, she loves Great Britain and she's always like saving up money because she likes to go every few years. And she's always talking about how she wants to go, but she never can quite find the money. And then she said, I did this exercise and in one month I spent in regrettable spending what I could have bought a flight to England. Like I keep saying mm-hmm. that I want to do this, but clearly I'm not aligning my purchases with it. So what's up with that? Mm. Yeah. And that's like money integrity, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. not that someone's acting out of it, like they're not in integrity, but if that's Mm -hmm. what you're aligning with and that's what you really want, then yeah, you could either shift your spending right now or, I mean, my husband even at some point was like, well, I don't know. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I never have the money. And I'm like, well, then we just start saving. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Then you just just start saving and then you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know I and I only bring that up because I know some people it's just not the what the saving and or the how do I get there piece seems so distant. Um mm-hmm. so I don't know, I guess I'm saying patience with yourself if that's where you're oh, at. Totally. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is hard. It really is mm-hmm. hard. This is one yeah. of the big oh, totally. ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we get to the last questions, is there anything else you want to bring up about the money piece or other other tidbits around that that you you've seen and you want to just make sure people know about? 
Oh gosh, that's really good. Well, I would say just to sort of reiterate to, to it's really important to be patient, to be patient with yourself. Mm-hmm. And also to realize, I tell my students that when you start making the choices that are right for you, you are probably going to get pushback. You know, there are going to be, and it's going to be varied. Like people might jokingly say like, oh, you never come out with us anymore. Like, do you even like us anymore? Or, you know, like I drive a 2003 Ford Focus because cars don't make me happy. And 99% of the time that doesn't bother me, but occasionally I'll go to like fancy things where there's valley parking. And I'm like, well, this is embarrassing. (laughs) So when you start making choices that are right for you and run counter to what other people in your life are doing, you're going to get pushback either like side eye or verbally. And I tell my students that when that happens, you are paying the authenticity tax. But Mm. whatever you're paying in that authenticity tax, no matter how many times you have to defend your choice or have sort of an awkward conversation, that is so much lower. That authenticity tax is so much lower than what you would be paying to live a life that's not right for you, both like emotionally and also monetarily. And I can so relate to it. Not that it's specifically about money, but even sometimes this show, like it's a choice every time, you know, Mm -hmm. to say on a Friday night, sometimes I'm doing some editing, you know, or making the oh, images yeah. the ne- for the next week. And it's like, this is, but this is what I want to be doing. And this is exciting yeah. and fun for me. And, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of shoulds, you know, and sometimes it means I turn off my phone so I can just crank through it and then mm-hmm. you know, I'll get back to people. But yep. yeah, I love that you're kind of calling that out. I think that's so great. Thank you. Well, well thank you. so we- Yeah. If people want to find you, I mean, we've already mentioned your site, but if you want to let us know, where can we find you online if people want to sign up for the the course and get in touch? Yeah. Well, you can find me everywhere on all the social media platforms. I'm um, Yes and Yes blog. And if you want to try the free five-day bootcamp, it's yesandyes.org slash bootcamp. And is there a larger class that goes with that? or are you Yes, all- yes. There's a larger class that goes with that called Put Your Money Where Your Happy Is. I always encourage people to take the boot camp first, but the, the course is amazing. It's, I mean, again, like I said, people very consistently tell me that it changed their life. Like without me asking, they like send me unsolicited <laughs> emails telling me that I've like helped them change their financial habits in a way that nothing else ever did, which is obviously incredibly humbling and, and lovely. Yeah. So the bootcamp is yesandyes.org slash bootcamp. And then that will lead you into the full course, put your money where you're happy is. Excellent. Wonderful. Yes. And I've read it, the, the free version. It is really awesome. It's a really well thought out. And like, I mean, you really dive in and the worksheets are awesome. And like, it's a full, it's a full deal. <laughs> like, it's awesome. Yeah. Thank so, you. I know. Yeah. I'm sort of like, is this too good? Like, am I, is, am I like giving away free stuff? Whatever. I just, I mean, I just want people to like, know it and have access to it and you know people Wonderful. people like one of my students actually because of the free boot camp she went back to school to get a different licensure because she hated her she realized that she was spending money because she hated her job she went back to school to get like a more advanced licensure quit the job that she hated and got a, a new job making 10 grand more and this was like from the free boot camp wow Yes. That is amazing. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's such a different yeah. way of thinking. I can see. I mean, once you kind of have the freedom and you and you get away from some of the shoulds and you really know what you want. And yeah, mm-hmm. amazing things can happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good for her. I know. <laughs> well, cool. Well, so let's get to our last couple questions before we round this out. What does balance look like for you and how do you maintain harmony in your life? 
That's good. For me, balance looks like working sensible hours. Um, I do not get up to an alarm clock. I get up sort of when my body wants to get up. And I try with probably about 70% success to be done working when it's time for dinner. So that's really important to me. Balance looks like traveling. I travel a lot. And it also looks like making really intentional choices about what I am and I'm not going to do in my business. Like there are definitely things that I know I could do that would help grow my business that I'm just not interested in doing. And there are things that I know I need to do. So I outsource them because I have no interest in learning how to do them myself. <laughs> I like that freedom. That does. I mean, it seems like freedom. Uh, and oh, also yeah. Giving absolutely. yourself that space to be like, yeah, I should do it. But no, thanks. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah. That's a great check-in. Mm-hmm. And then last, and of course, most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? Oh, that's really good. I would say for me, jumpstarting joy is getting outside every day. Even when it's overcast, even when it's rainy, there's a, I think it's a Swedish saying that's uh, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. So I've tried really hard to take that to heart. So to jumpstart joy, get outside every day. I also, for me, and I think for a lot of people interacting with animals, really jumpstarts joy. So I try to have like quality time with both of my pets. And whenever I visit friends and they have pets, I try to, you know, have a little powwow and really ask, talk to those pets, see how they're doing, give them a good tummy rub. (laughs) And I would say, lastly, when you're talking to people, Ask them real questions and actually listen to the answers they give you. Because I know for me, and I think for most people, relationships and communication and feeling connected is a real source of joy. But a lot of us have a tendency to sort of circle around with small talk or when our friends are talking, we're sort of just waiting to say the funny thing that like applies to it. So I get a lot of joy in really having real actual conversations with people that I care about and um, really listening in and deepening those friendships. That is beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Especially that, yeah, that last one really resonates. I mean, yes, I, I also very much love the first two. I don't think anything about like kind of that really deep and meaningful relationship and communication thing has come up before. So yes, thank you for bringing that one in. Okay. Well, it has been a total joy to have you here, Sarah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show this week and for sharing your voice and your talents with the world. I have really enjoyed reading your blog over the years, and it was a real treat to get to speak with you today. If you want to join in the discussion where we'll be talking about what is easy for you and what may not be easy for everyone else, if you want to get in on that, you can look for Jumpstart Your Joy on Facebook at facebook.com slash jumpstartyourjoy and we'll have a little conversation about what may be easy for you but not easy for everyone else. You can also find the show notes and links to Sarah's site and the More Money, More Happy course at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 86 or if you want to visit Sarah's site directly, you can find her at yesandyes.org. Next week, I am thrilled to have Andrea Share of Superhero Life joining me on the show. We are continuing the theme of finding what fits, and Andrea shares all about her new podcast, her life's work of bringing joy and magic to everything she does, whether that be writing or photography, coaching or podcasting. 
I hope that you'll come on back next week for the interview with Andrea. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.